we're making our way through the letter to the Corinthians. We're in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12. And we're dealing with a subject that the Apostle Paul, under the power of the Holy Spirit, says, I do not want you to be unaware. I do not want you to be ignorant about this. And that's why we are taking such time and diligence to go through this because I would say that no other time in the history of the church is there a greater ignorance on what are spiritual gifts. Um, For, how shall I say, a plethora of reasons. All right? So um, I want to read the text out of 1 Corinthians, but I'm going to go back over to Romans 12. Because I'm, I'm wanting to, us to make sure that we understand the urgency of these gifts and that we understand the power of these gifts and we understand how vital these gifts are to the body of Christ. Um, in the church in America today is, I hate to put it this way, but I'm going to, the primary culprit is... Um, an ignorance on what they are. I, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm a little older than some of you and not as old as some of you, but do you guys ever remember uh, the Flip Wilson show? And he had that one where the devil made me do it. And we, we always were blaming the devil, okay? And, I, you know, hey, knock yourself out. Um. But what I've watched happen in the church today is that we're blaming the Holy Spirit for it. And we're blaming him for things that he don't do. Okay? And then I see people heavy on... I'm going to go ahead and say it. What I would call the conservatives, we don't even want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, I preached a sermon in Russia and I used the word anointed. Uh, and that you need to be anointed by the power of God to do whatever it is you're doing. I don't, I don't remember exactly what I was teaching on. It's been two years ago. And the guy I was with is working on his second doctorate. And he classified me as charismatic because I used the word anointed. Well, I got news for you. If you're not doing this in the power of the Spirit of God, you're not anointed. And if you're not anointed, shh, sit down, be quiet, you bother me. And I see that too much today that we, we will plug a method in, a methodology, uh, 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 something to this effect. And basically, you're building a church. And if you're building a church, I know who you're in competition with. Okay, I've never, ever been called to build this church. Ever. I've never been called to make converts. I've never been called to do those things. And you know what's scary about it? No Christian has. No Christian has. You have been called to be absolutely overwhelmingly dependent on God and he will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can think or ask. And you will have to do that with an anointing. And yes, I am charismatic. I am under grace. I like that word. But if you go out of here and tell him that Terry is charismatic, what is the first thing they're going to think? He can speak in tongues. (laughs) No, because he can't even speak in American. 
Okay, so I doubt that he's speaking in tongues. And if you've heard me in my Russian, you, they definitely ain't got that going. But what is the first thing that people think about? You can do this. Listen, if I can get a spiritual gift that is miraculous, I want the one raising the dead. Because I'm going to drive hospitals right out of business. Okay? But we, well, we want tongues. Why? We'll deal with that one. And, and that's what I'm, I'm dealing with in this context. Okay? But I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 11. Then I'm going to jump over to Romans 12, and then I'm going to try to bring all this thing together. Okay? Let's read the word of the Holy God. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effects of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues." But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. Father, help us to see this. Help us to understand this. Help us to rejoice as Your children that we may grasp this and we may be empowered by the Spirit of the living God to do what You have set us here for, what Your church is here for. Father, help us to hear this day. Give us ears. Give us eyes. Open our souls that we may see this and that your spirit will strengthen us for the race that is before us. To your glory, praise. Amen. In your outline, you'll see there at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, we started this thing out and it's just sort of been growing, but we looked at gifts of men. God has given gifts of men to the church. First were the apostles and the prophets. Right? They laid the foundation. We looked at this in depth. I'm not going to go back through this and spend a lot of time on it. But these were gifts. These were men that God said, this is what they shall do. After that, he gave us evangelist pastor teachers. Why? Because the foundation was left. And now that we have the foundation, the word of the holy God, then what are we going to do? We're going to build on it. How's he going to do that? Evangelists, what are they going to do? We're going to reach the lost. Okay, we've seen that they tend to be localized. But you have pastor teachers, and what did they do? They shepherded the flock of God. They trained up the flock of God. Don't get really sidetracked. When we hear pastor today, most of us will think of a noun. This is an office of pastor. Yes, it is an office. But it is in the pomia, it means that of a shepherd. A shepherd. It was somebody who was tending a flock. Would take them and make sure that they didn't get bugs or diseases. Would make sure that the wolves stayed away. Make sure that they were fed and they were healthy. Why? Because the flock is not mine. The flock does not belong to the pastor. The flock is Christ. And until that urgency is returned to the pulpits, I don't know what we're going to end up with. There needs to be an urgency that we need to understand that the care of souls is not done because of vocation. It is done as an obligation. You should be overwhelmed with just a privilege. How many people do you see today that says, well, I need to be in this size church or I need to be in this size church? Do you know what? If you get the privilege to invest in one soul, do you realize that you have just been given the charge of greater emphasis? than any man, woman, or child has ever walked on the planet Earth. And yet, in our arrogance, we think, well, I'm not going to teach unless there's what? 
And I see preachers who do this all the time and they think they've got a job. Let me tell you something. I shared this with you. Many of you guys know this. Out of the top two million things to be when I grow up, this is not on the list. Okay? The top two million things that I'd like to do when I get older, pastoring is not on the list. I don't want to do this. People ask me, well, what about your boys? You ever thought, I would never encourage anybody to do this. But I would encourage this. If God has called you to it, bow to it and rejoice. Okay? Always. All right? So you see these gifted men given to the body of Christ for the equipping of the saints for what? The work of ministry. That was the gifted men's. Now we're dealing with strengthening. Why? We need to strengthen one another. Listen to the stuff that is out there today. I shared this in my Sunday school class. If you go look at most of the publications that are in, in the church today, that you need to study this, you need to study that. Who is the focus on? You. You. How can you have a better marriage? How can you be more financially secure? How can you be a better husband, better wife, better employee, better father, better mother, better child? Better... Why? What's the focus on? It's you. It's you. Why? You're important. God died for you. You're important. You know one of the things I've learned? I have never met anybody with a low self-esteem. I'm almost 50. And in 50 years, I have not seen a low self-esteem. I've seen people so absorbed in themselves that they'd sit there and grovel around. I'm just more pitiful me. Let me tell you something. That issue right there is what got Satan kicked out of heaven. Okay? And don't get me wrong. You are a value to God. But you are only a value to God when you have died to self and it is God working through you in that anointing of the spirit of God and he gives us gifts and we see that the gifts we looked at this last week we're still in review we looked at this a couple of weeks ago that Peter says there's two kind of gifts drop them into two big old categories you have serving gifts and speaking gifts yes yes I know theologically but isn't a speaking gift a serving gift yes 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 but if you look at it, he's saying that you have those who will open their mouths and speak the utterances of God. And you have those who will humbly serve in the power of God. Okay. Who gets the glory? God does. So when I start looking to those in these what I call gifts that strengthen, I find 11 of them in Holy Writ. Please don't fall into this trap. It says, I have this gift and leave it at that. Because what you will find is that you have a multicolored gifting that is used. And I'll be dealing with that more in the weeks to come and it's a little more today. But I want you to understand it from this perspective. There are 11 of these what I call strengthening gifts. Scripture will show us that there are strengthening gifts that are for the strengthening of who? The saints. That's why when I hear people say, well, I just don't want to go to church. You know, it's full of hypocrites. And that's what I tell everybody. No, the world's full of hypocrites, and some of them are in the church. Okay? Why? Because you have a gift, all right, that God gave you for me. I like that. And God gave me a gift for no apparent reason. No, <laughs> for me to strengthen you. 
Okay? How many do you see today, and, and, and they tell me, well, this is really bad out west because, you know, it's that pull-yourself-up bootstrap thing and, and all that other stuff and that the people in the west are independent. And whatever. I think it's a depravity of man myself. That man in his pride and his arrogance says, I can do this. God says, no, you can't. You couldn't do this on your best day. That's why I gave you the body of Christ. You cannot separate the body of Christ from Jesus. You cannot separate the word from Jesus. And yet, what are we doing? We're separating. You see it all over the place. I see people who love Jesus, hate his body. I used to tell that when I was lost to girls I wanted to date. I love your mind. Then they know what That's what they're doing. That's what the Christians are doing. I love your brain, Lord. I just don't like your body. Okay? I can tell you what. I couldn't live without the body of Christ. I just couldn't do it. You know what? And yeah, I agree. Uh, who's, somebody told me this one time. It says that the church is like Noah's Ark. If it wasn't for the storm outside to stink inside or drive you out. There's a truth to that. You know why? How many in the body of Christ today are ignorant about their spiritual gifts? How many do you see today are struggling to, they want their spiritual gift and it's for them. Your spiritual gift is for you. So you take these 11 gifts, you put them in this wondrous um, painting that God has blended all the colors together. So it is for the equipping of the saints, for the unity of the faith. It's already there. Did you know the unity is already there? How many people do you see today are trying to get the church unified? It's already there and you maintain it in the bonds of peace. Listen, if you're in the church trying to do for Jesus, then you will not be in unity. If you go to church for what you think you can get, you will never be unified. Okay, why? Because I'll never be able to give you what you think you deserve. But if I go to church for the privilege of possibly serving another, you will always be unified. And I tell married couples or people who are getting ready to get married, I said, I can tell you right now how to never have a disagreement ever in your life. Whether it be with your boss, whether it be with your spouse, your fiance or whatever. And everybody looks at me like, you're nuts. I said, nope, it's a piece of cake. Just this way. Consider others more important than yourself. Philippians. Okay? Now go try to do that. Because when you have a conflict, guess what you just did? You considered yourself more important. Okay? You know what? And as a pastor, there's times when I've had to deal with situations, and I know I'm right. I know biblically I'm right. And you know what? I can't make people see that. But God can. And so you back away from it and you allow him to do his work. All right? That's the power of the Spirit of God. And yet, I have these 11 gifts. Out of that, five of them are speaking gifts. And that's what we've been looking at. And these gifts that strengthen, five of them are speaking gifts. And we've dealt with uh, three, I think. And today's the fourth one. Okay? What were they? One was prophecy. Prophecy has got nothing to do with telling the future. Please understand that. That was added to the term prophecy in the 1300s. All right? Prophecy means stand before and proclaim. You may stand before one and proclaim. You may stand in front of a thousand and proclaim. You may stand in front of a hundred thousand and proclaim. 
That's all it is. You stand up and you see people in the scriptures at one shot, bang, stood up, opened up their mouth, proclaimed God, and you never see them ever do it again. Why? God needed his word to go forth right there. Boom, there it was. And I see people say, well, I want to have the gift of prophecy. You know what? Balaam's donkey had the gift of prophecy. Balaam's donkey says, well, you hitting me. Okay, I ain't going through there. There's an angel of death up there and I'm not going. I mean, you know what that is? I'm telling you, don't do this. What's the gift of prophecy? Same thing. Well, what about uh, Philip's daughters? They had the gift of prophecy. Yeah? How many times did they exercise it? I don't have a clue. It just says that they had it. What does that mean? At some point, Philip's daughters, daughters got up and spoke. Thus saith the Lord. That's all it is. Okay? You want me to tell you the future? My, I have a gift that leans hard on prophecy. Read the book of Revelations. That's the future. All right? What else would you like me to tell you? I, see what I mean? But we have it that the gift of prophecy is this thing that, well, you know, here's what's going to happen. Let me tell you something. Isaiah prophesied of Messiah. All right? How could he prove it? Nobody was alive when Isaiah prophesied Messiah. How does he prove it? Because he did other things that proved what he said was for the Lord. Okay? Did they understand it? No. Peter says that the Old Testament prophets longed to understand this stuff. They were saying stuff that they said, well, that sounds crazy. Okay? So prophecy, literally, all it means is to speak in front of. Okay? Listen, this is not a talent. I know some very talented speakers. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a person who gets overwhelmed by the things of God and the Spirit of God stands them up and they speak forth. Ask these kids. You guys gave your testimony um, on what happened in Durango. Was that easy? Stand up in front of a bunch of people and explain things? Okay, so don't think I got an easy job. Because I don't like this. I don't like speaking in front of people. God has blessed me that when I've had big crowds, he's had really bright lights that shine in my face, and I can't see nobody. Because other than that, I would be sitting there, and my throat would be dried up like the desert, and I'd be squeaking, and I can't say nothing. I don't like that. There are people who do that, and I do not believe it's a gift of God. I do not believe that. There are gifted speakers. Phenomenally gifted speakers. I mean, talented men, women who can speak in front of a crowd, hold their attention. That's not the gift of prophecy. The other one we looked at was the gift of knowledge, the word of wisdom. You've got to understand it. Don't separate this. This ain't smart people. It is the word of knowledge. It is the word of wisdom. Why? The knowledge is where? The logos. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with Theon, was with God, and the, lo- and the Logos was God. It's where we get logic from, okay? It was the word of knowledge. What does that mean? It can be revelatory, sure, absolutely, okay? But it is a person who has a gift of knowing what God is saying in its depths, in its depths. And I shared with you multiple illustrations of people who have affected my life. These people write really intense books that help guys like me who don't have the gift of knowledge. I don't have it. I bow before the book. I bow before the book. All right? 
The next one we looked at was the gift of wisdom. And the gift of wisdom is just what it sounds like. It takes the gift of knowledge and says, here's how it is applied. Here's how it makes. This is where the rubber hits the road of this great truth. Of this great truth. These are all speaking gifts. These people speak. Uh, Spiro Zodiati spoke in this church. He has the gift of knowledge. Okay. I mean, the guy sits around and writes dictionaries. Greek dictionaries. I mean, that's, that's the gift of knowledge. Why? That's... I ain't, you don't want me to even think about something like that. Okay. But there's times when he preaches. I don't know how that applies. I mean, how does that come? And and there's times that he struggles with wisdom. There's times that I have to, I have to have a guy like him because I can make it practical. How does that apply to me? Um, I've studied, I've studied some guys, um, Arthur Pink was one of those that he uses stuff and you just sit there and go, I don't know what he said. And you have to, you know, God, I don't get that one at all. And go get your dictionary. I mean, I hate reading a guy who has a paragraph and I have to have a dictionary to figure out what it was he said in the paragraph. See, I don't know how to get the knowledge. I don't have it. Okay, uh, Pink was one of those guys. I mean, when he sits there and starts talking about the patience of God, and to this day, I, mean, I don't know what he meant. But it was a fascinating thought that God's not bound by time. How can you have patience if you're not bound by time, and yet he has patience? And I'm going, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and what's <one> that? <laughs> I have to have patience, huh? <laughs> okay, you know, and, you know, Pink is absent from the body. He's present with the Lord. And he's probably got it all figured out, but God won't let him write it down and send it to me. Okay. Um, usually, guys who write the gift of knowledge or have the gift of knowledge, they'll write this book, and I read it, and then I have to read it back the second time to make notes to try to figure out what it was he said. And then, like in Pink's thing, I'm my third time back through trying to figure out what he said and make notes to, that help me. Why? How does this apply? How does this apply? How does this deal with uh, raising kids and and the business world and the world economics that you see today and all that's going on? How does this all apply? See, so you have the the gift of prophecy to proclaim it. Okay, you have you have the gift of knowledge. These are the people, the men and women who just are overwhelmed by the things of God and understand things. And you you see them, you know, they love parsing verbs and you just. okay, I, I don't like that. Okay, you know, I, I remember a guy I, I did this years ago. I was out at the shepherd. I think it was my first or second shepherd's conference. Uh, I wasn't the pastor. I was out with our pastor. And, and I went to this guy's class. And it was sentence structuring. Okay? And he says, he does this for every sermon. And I said, oh my God, I'm not even saved. If you do this for a sermon, how could I ever? There's, I can't do that. Not not only that, you know, he had to do it yourself. So you, you do one and I got, he got done and wrote his out. And here's how it looked correct. I wasn't even close. And I said, I, man, I, salvation and sentence structuring. Uh, I ain't sure. Okay. So these are kind of people you see them. Mine is, I have a little more on the wisdom side. Um, and, and, you know, and that's my giftedness. Okay, why? How do I take these deep truths? I, I love these people who do this. I love these people. Why? Because I don't have to. <laughs> and we'd all be in trouble if you was expecting me to come up with something. All right? So that's the kind of stuff that I want you to think about. All right? And then the one that I'll deal with this day is teaching. 
What the heck is this? Teaching. All right, go over to Romans chapter 12. Okay, Romans 12. Oops. And I want to pick this back up again because you've got to keep the flow here. It comes out of verse 3. Okay. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, sound understanding, sound words, as God allotted each a measure of faith. Okay. God has given a degree of faith. And I'm not talking about saving faith i'm talking about do you trust him all right each a measure of faith we have many members in one body all the members do not have the same function that's good right that's a hearty amen i get so we who are many are one body in christ and individually members one of another since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us let us exercise accordingly okay based on what Grace given to us. If prophecy according to the proportion of the faith, how much do you trust? How much of that do you trust? When you proclaim it, how much do you trust? Okay, in serving, if service and serving, and he who teaches in his teaching. This is the revised, what is it, New American Standard revised. And they dropped a word there that I don't think they should have. And it should be in the teaching, definite article. Okay, and it has to do with on the teaching what that person has received. This gift will work out of this teaching. What teaching would he be speaking of? There is a now to grab a hold of this. There is a gift of teaching. And whatever you teach needs to be consistent with the teaching. Okay, this drives me nuts when I hear people hear these Bible studies. They won't let me in them anymore. But they have a group of people and they'll read a verse and here's the the profound statement. So what do you think this means? And you hear all these people come up with what this means. Okay. That's wrong. Okay. I I got in trouble with this. Uh, I preached a number of years ago with our denominational meeting that there are not multiple interpretations of scripture. Okay. Multiple applications but not interpretations. It's a matter of, do I bow to the book and I understand it? Okay, if I show myself a, a worker rightly dividing truth, do, I'm going to get some answers, and it's going to be the same. All right? And you, I can't believe that. Well, okay, fine. Uh, and I'm not saying that everything, that I've always got it figured out, because i got news for you. I don't know how to get the knowledge, and I'm probably not that strong in wisdom. But there is the teaching. I want you to hear this word, and it gets bannered around so easily and for everything that I, I want to use it because it's the only one I can think of. And I call it the supernatural. The supernatural. There is a supernatural power from a supernatural book. That is your holy Bible. Your holy Bible. And if you teach, it needs to be consistent with the teaching. The teaching. Okay? Now, I want to give you kind of a heads up. What is this gift? This gift of teaching according to the measure of faith that has been given to us. Okay? There is the gift of teaching. Then there is the office of teacher. Okay? The difference between a deacon and an elder 
You know what it is? The ability to teach. The ability to teach. Where does that ability come from? Supernatural. Listen, if you believe that you can go to college and get a degree and this, that, and the other, and all of a sudden can take the word of God and give it to people to change their lives, you're a fool. You're a fool. You can't do that. It's impossible. Why? Paul did it, and it wasn't until Jesus got a hold of him on a Damascus road. He says, you're a fool. Okay? You can be a teacher in the church and have a position. Okay? And if you have a position as a teacher in the church, you have to have the gift of teaching. Okay? Have you ever sat with someone who doesn't have the gift of teaching and listened to them teach? You love them, but you're thankful when they're done. Right? You know, I'm not... Don't sit there and try to see who I'm talking about. I ain't talking about anybody. But I have sat with people. I had a oh, a professor one time spoke monotone in a southern accent. Ugh. He did not have the gift of teaching. I don't know what his gift was, I'll be honest with you. All I knew is I had to write some papers, and I'm going to write these papers as quick as I can so I don't have to listen to him no more. Okay? So you can be a teacher in the church, and you really need the gift of teaching. If you do not have it, shh. Okay? But not all who have the gift of teaching are teachers. Have a position in the church to teach. Okay? Well, what do you mean by that? Ah, I thought you would never ask. Turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. Very familiar text. Very familiar text. And I want to bring this about because not all who have the gift of teaching are, quote, unquote, official teachers. Look what it says here at the beginning in verse 16, chapter 28. The 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had designated. They saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. Okay, this is at the resurrection and Jesus is really stirring up the countryside. Right? Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Okay, now grab a hold of that phrase right there. That's the one we sometimes we miss. Because of this fact, what a fact, who has the authority? Where at? Just in existence. That's the only authority he has over existence. All right? Because that, the syntax of this text says, go therefore. And it literally means as you are going, you are to do something. You need to go do this. Why? Because all authority has been given to me. What are you supposed to do? As you are going, what? Make disciples. Okay, now who's he talking to? Pastors? As you are going, what? Is that what it says? Well, then elders, as you are... Deacons, as you are Sunday school teachers, as you are going, what? Make disciples of all ethnos, all peoples. Who is to make disciples? Who does the baptizing? Look what it says. 
baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Hmm. What does that say? Verse 20. Hmm. Teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, now let me ask you a question there. If I'm to make disciples teaching the things that God has taught me, what do you suppose I should be doing? What gift do you suppose is being utilized? Okay, do you get a hold of that? That is what we call the Great Commission. What is that? Okay, make disciples can be exercised in many ways. Do you have children? Ladies, do you have children? Some of you have children? I'm going to say that. What are those children for? <laughs> Drive me crazy. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Cause me to be locked up in a little padded room. Right? What is it? To show me how my parents were smarter than I thought they were. Okay? What are you supposed to do with them? Well, you know, only men can teach. You can't prove that biblically. You cannot prove that. Now, in the church, I'll give you. Yes, 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 I'll go with that. But who has the gift of teaching? I would argue, biblically, you can't be saved and not have some portion of that gift. Why? Because it says you are to teach. Who? If you're male... You are the spiritual leader. God designed it that way. Period. If you're the spiritual leader, there has to be some kind of implication there. What is that implication? Teaching. Okay? And I mean, you may be a goomba. And don't worry, that's a good word. It speaks of white people who are not in the Caribbean. Okay? But it, that's what the word is. Okay? You guys didn't know I was bilingual, did you? But it, it, it speaks of something you have to teach. You teach your... Wife, you teach your children if you have children. If not, you may have other male friends that you teach. Okay? And you know what? Some of the greatest teachers that I've ever been exposed to were some of the most awful teachers. But their life taught. Okay? There is a gift of teaching there. Now, you know, I I shared with you guys that my wife said that, well, I think you finally taught something that was wrong. And I said, very good. What was that, dear? And uh, she says that you said you thought you had about a fifth of knowledge and the rest was sort of wisdom. She said, I don't think you got a fifth. <laughs> she said, I, I've used words and you have to get a dictionary to figure out what I said. And I said, you married me. Um, anyway, <laughs> so who's got wisdom? <laughs> um, let me, let me explain this to you. You can make disciples in many ways. And sometimes you even use words. Okay? But the gift is the ability in the Holy Spirit to pass a truth on to somebody. That's the gift. That's simple. It's the ability in the Holy Spirit to pass a truth on to somebody. We're done. Let's pray. What do you think? No, 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 no. Okay? Listen. Prophecy is proclaiming Christ to an audience. Teaching is passing on a truth to someone else. Okay, here's the key to teaching, the spiritual gift of teaching. It is received and applied. See the difference? 
See, I can preach, okay, proclaim, prophesy, all right? If I'm doing it right, I'm going to give you how it applies. But I'm also going to challenge you, here's the truth, how are you going to do with it? Okay, but then I'm going to walk away and I'm done. You know, I'm just like God's foghorn. That's it. Hey, that's it. And I'm done. I don't. There are times in our, in our Sunday school class, the leadership class on Tuesday night and Wednesday night, that we spend a little more time and I give you more applying and how does it. But see, the gift of teaching takes that and it gives you that truth, imparts it, and gives you how to receive that truth and how to apply that truth. How do I follow that truth? How do I walk in light of that truth? Okay. Um, this is that gift that I call the one-on-one gift. Okay, this is the gift that I think would lean heavier toward what we call counseling. Okay, see, it goes back to my argument. Why don't we use God's words? I ain't here to mentor anybody. I'm here to make disciples. Okay, Um, you know, and I, well, you're just not a good counselor. Really? No, if you want to come into my office and whine and cry over how bad it is, I am not going to be a good counselor. Okay, but if you would like to know truth and how to receive it, how to apply it, let's go. All right. This is good stuff. Passing on truth so that they receive it. All right. This is an important gift. I believe that this is an urgent gift. I don't believe that you can be in the body of Christ and not have some semblance of this gift. Because who makes disciples? Children of God do. The word is diadoktos, and it has all kinds of forms, but one of the root meanings to this word is the one that I just, I even got a little note here on my notes that says school. Okay? And it literally means a systematic teaching. Okay? Uh, It means uh, literal in the Greek, the root word is a systematic training. Train up a child in the way he should go. Okay, that would be the Hebrew line of this word. The word is used to refer, that I've seen in secular Greek, it, it spoke, speaks of the choir director. Okay, so you guys know I had to go look at this because I have no idea what a choir director does. But choir director who trains a choir over a long period of time, a, a long period of, what do you call those things? Rehearsals. Okay, until they can what? They perform it. See the difference between prophecy and teaching? See the difference? Teaching is that long haul thing. See, um, my passion is discipleship. I mean, if you know me very long, what is it that just drives me? Whoo, lights my fire. It's discipleship. Everybody. And yet God has called me at times to be Exercise the gift of prophecy. Here it is. Boom. Okay. I, I've had people come back oh, hi, who, just the other day. Oh, at this memorial that I was at. I run into some people who have been in this church years and years and years and years ago. And this one, one girl comes up to me and she says, you remember me? And, and I didn't. And, <laughs> and, and she told me who she was. And I said, oh, yeah, now I remember. Okay. And she says, I remember this message you preached on such and such and such and such and such. And, such. and I'm sitting there going. 
what I say. <laughs> Why? Because, do, do you understand? That's what prophecy does. Boom. There it is. Bang. Okay? But what does teaching do? Step by step by step. It's a systematic training, systematic teaching. Okay? The gift of prophecy can be a one-time proclamation of Christ. Okay? I, I remember I did a memorial back in uh, Georgia. It's been a couple of years ago. And it was at a Methodist church. And um, they, they told me, this is the biggest Methodist church in northern Georgia and da-da-da-da and all the rest of it. And when I got there, um, I, I knew what I wanted to share. It was a memorial and I had, you know, I just wanted to share that, you know, we do not grieve as those who have no hope and, and all the rest of it. And all of a sudden it dawned on me where I was. Okay. Um, and to use a biblical illustration, I, I kind of have to use it this way. It was almost like being at the synagogue of Satan. Okay. And, and there was a lot of homosexuals and, and all this other stuff. And, and it was, um, it kind of freaked me out, actually. But it's the first time that it, you went into the pulpit ready to know what you were going to preach. And as I walked up the platform, my message changed. <laughs> he says, you don't need to talk about hope here. You need to talk about my word. And so I preached. Um, we preach Christ crucified. Um, it's the aroma of Jesus unto the nostrils and his life to the living, death to the dying. And I, I've never done that ever before in my life. Why? God said, what you want to give these people, they can't, they won't get it. You need to give them the truth. And so I gave them the truth. And then I left town very quickly. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. <laughs> Had a rental car. <laughs> Drive faster. Okay. Um, but there's systematic training that has to take place. That was the gift of prophecy. Okay. Proclaim before these people. Okay, but there is systematic training that comes. And, and I like teaching because teaching takes a person from point A through to where they replicate. It's where Paul can say, I'm going on to Macedonia, Timothy. I need you, Timothy, to go to Ephesus and straighten up that mess. Why? He's a genuine child in the faith. I have no one who like him. That, that's that replication thing that you see. I can't make it, but this person here is just like me. And he'll bring to memory me and what I've taught. Okay? Now, you, you, you think that that's that big a deal, but let me explain to you something. When you stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, guess what you're going to be doing? You're going to be looking and you're going to say, Jesus, see all them people that act just like me. They better be acting just like Christ. Okay? I was your representative on the planet Earth. On the planet Earth. Uh, that funeral I was at, I'll use that illustration again. Always, you know, ever been to funerals? They always talk about the person and how great they were and they did this and they did that. When I die, I hope they say that he looked like Christ and then tell everybody about Christ. Okay? I'm tired of hearing about, well, he did this and he smiled and he was just funny and he was this and he was that. Okay, Greatest man born of man and woman was who? John the Baptist. Why? I must decrease, he must increase. You know, 
It's, I, I met with these pastors this week, and I, and I shared with them, to, to grow the church, what you should do is empty the building. And they go, what? I said, yeah, if you grow the church and you're successful, you should empty the building. Why? They were all perfect in Christ. They were all mature in Christ, and they all went forth living in light of what you gave them. And everybody looks around and says, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> okay. The key is systematic teaching has got to be the truth of God, not opinions. Listen, not footnotes from a study Bible, not commentaries. There are good commentaries or good study Bibles. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is it's got to be the truth of God. That's why God has given some to prophesy. That's why God has given some who have the gift of knowledge and some have the wisdom. Why? So that many will teach the curriculum is the bible the word of god that's the curriculum and it's any number you can take the curriculum and you know what's cool about it you can use it with one person you can use it with two people you can use it with three people you can use it with seven people you can use it with six people you can use it with a thousand people I like that. You know what's really cool about it? You can use it with the Russians, the Asians, the Europeans, the South Americans. It doesn't matter. I like that. I can't handle complicated. God says, yeah, I know. So I give you one book. Okay? You know what is so cool about this? I can use it in any any numbers. I can take men. And I can have one man or a thousand men and... Give them systematic teaching. You know what's really cool about it? You can take and do the same thing with, you're not going to believe this, women. That's scary stuff. I can use it for men. I can use it for women. Same book, same teachings. It's just amazing. You know what's even more bizarre than that? You can use it for children. And you can use it in any number. You can have one child, nine childs. If you've got a thousand children, you're in trouble. <laughs> you see what I'm trying to get at? I don't have to tailor it for, well, this is a message for women, or this is a message for children, or this is a message for men. No. One curriculum. The teaching. If you're going to teach, you give the teaching. What age? Any age. What gender? Any gender. And he says, as you are going, you will make disciples of all peoples. I don't have to tailor the message for the Asians. Well, you need to know the social. No, you don't. It is the word of God. It is the gospel. And if I'm teaching accordingly, I can use it for male, female, old, young, any ethnic. That's the gift of teaching. See, the gift of teaching understands that. The gift of teaching says, I got one book. That's it. That's why if you go in our Sunday school classes, how many times do you see somebody using another material? In this church, you don't. What are they teaching? The Bible. Or you can learn the Bible. Or you can learn the Bible. Why? Because the gift of teaching is used in the teaching. Definite article. I always pay attention to definite articles. When they drop them, I have to write somebody to complain. I like this because it can be used a mother to a son. Did you know that? Do you know it can be used as a husband to a wife? In my case, it can be the wife to the husband. <laughs> You're wrong again. You don't have that much knowledge. Okay? 
And you know what is really bizarre about it? It can be used in any conceivable way the Spirit of God desires. Even if you want to preach to a whole room full of homosexuals. It can still be used. I like that. I like that. So I've got to ask you a question. Here's the gift. The ability to pass on a truth in a systematic progression so that somebody receives it and applies it. Okay? I want you to get, think about this for a second. The parable of the four soils. Okay? And I've, I've seen people preach it. Well, you know, one out of four will receive. What? Anyway. That ain't what that parable teaches. Okay? Well, I'm here to break up the ground. That ain't what that parable teaches. The parable is real simple. What are you supposed to be doing? Throwing the seeds. Okay? Who takes care of the soil? God does. Who takes care of the fruit? God does. Who takes care of who receives? God does. What are you going to do? Throw the seeds. You know what that implies? Teaching. Teaching. And you will teach one thing. The teaching of Holy Writ. Okay? What comes from that is not up to you. You're not responsible for it. You just preached it. Teached it. You lived it. You walked it. They've seen it in your life. Okay? And you know what? You will see it happen. Because I have been blessed. I have been overwhelmingly blessed to literally see a change of behavior in people who stay faithful to the word. They received it, it becomes part of them, and they change. And I would like to say, it was like a Billy Graham crusade and everybody went down and poof to holy ground. No, it wasn't. It was a progression of systematic training over, you hearing me well? Years. Years. Grab a hold of this. I want you to understand this. Our Lord and Savior walked with a bunch of knuckleheads for three years. Now, he did things that I can't even dream of. He makes storms stop. He walk on water, raised the dead. He basically had authority over everything. And what was their conclusion? They had no idea who it was. Until what? Pentecost. What happened at Pentecost? Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of him, and Peter could walk back out. Remember? This is Peter pulled out the knife and cut old what's-his-name's ear off. Right. I'll fight for you. Four hours later, what did he say? Three times. I don't have any idea who you are. And then when the Holy Spirit took over Peter, what did he do? He goes right back into where the Sanhedrin were all sitting around. He says, you men of Israel murdered Messiah. What changed him? Spirit of God. Spirit of God. See the difference? Because then he understood it. Remember when he said it? Who did the men say I am? John the Baptist, Elijah, da, 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 you're all of these people. And he says, Peter, who do you say I am? You're a son of the living God. And you know what Jesus told him? You ain't got a clue, Peter. <laughs> God gave you that. You didn't get that on your own. And he didn't. He didn't. You want to see a change in behavior? Exercise the gift of teaching in this progression that you may teach and that you will walk. This is discipleship. This is counseling. 
Okay? Counseling is a process, people. Ain't got nothing spiritual about it. Got nothing spiritual about it. It's a process. But it's a systematic teaching of the teaching. And the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? One day you'll look up and you'll say, dude, he's changed. She's changed. She looks like Christ. He looks like Christ. How scary is that? It's done by the power of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit through the people with the gift of teaching. Now then, I want to conclude with this thought. I believe, biblically, that this gift belongs to a lot more of us than we realize. So my question is this. Are you teaching? And if you say, yes, I am. Are you teaching the teaching? Because the teaching is completely opposed to what the world is saying this day. Absolutely opposed to it. Okay? We sing this song. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Okay, you know what that word means, right? Separate. Different than the world. It's the only attribute of God, the only part of His character that is repeated. It's the only part that's repeated. He doesn't say that God is love, 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 or mercy, 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 does it? But He is holy, holy, holy. But He is also the logos. He is the logic. His logic is completely at odds with man's. Are you teaching the teaching? It's that simple. Because you do teach. Everybody in this room makes disciples. Look around you and see what your disciples look like. And you'll know what you're teaching. You may need to repent. You may understand, you know, I just haven't been in the book much. You know what? You may not be used. Why? Because you have to be teaching the teaching. So we have the gift of prophecy. can be a one-time shot. You have the gift of knowledge as a person who has the ability to parse verbs. <laughs> The ability to seek the deep things of God. You have the gift of wisdom who can take the gift of knowledge and make it applicable to an everyday moment-to-moment walk with Jesus Christ. And then you have the gift of teaching. And the gift of teaching, yes, is a speaking gift. Sometimes it's one-on-one. Sometimes it's a husband to a wife, a wife to a husband. Sometimes it's a mother to a son. It can be any, any form that the Holy Spirit deems necessary. But it will always be based on the word of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Okay, if you are exercising, we've looked at four. We've got one more. We'll look at it next week. If you have a speaking gift, if you are being utilized and you know that your time in the word is not in vain, you've seen lives. They may be condemning people, but you've seen lives changed. If you have a speaking gift and you're not using it, perhaps it's because you're not in the book. If you're not in the book, then you really don't need to be speaking anyway. I believe that the teaching gifts is one of the most underutilized gifts in the body of Christ this day. And I believe that you who are here this day need to understand that. I don't care your age today. You can be a kid. You can be Al's in the nursery. You can be as old as Al. 
Okay? But you will teach. You will make disciples. And you will see a change. You will pass on truths. Pass on truths. Let's pray. Father, I just praise you for your word. I praise you for your gifts. I praise you for your bride of Christ. Um, Lord, how awesome she truly is. The greatest single force that exists on the planet Earth this day. Father, may we who gather this time, this, this moment, may we draw upon the things of God. May we draw upon the power source that only spoke existence into being. Father, may we be a part of what you are about. Father, let us be sensitive to your face. Where you would have us say what you would have us say. Father, let us be men and women of the word. Uh, when the opportunity is given, whether one or one thousand, the teaching that we give is the teaching that has been given us in Holy Scripture. To your praise and glory. Amen.